0: Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit church. I'm so glad you are with us today. We are beginning a brand new teaching series. It is my hope that we'll dive into a single book of the Bible at the beginning of every new year, and God will do a lasting work in our hearts. And this year, this January, we are diving into the book of Colossians. So, uh, if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you, if you have a uh, on your device or in a a book form, whatever you've got, open it up to the book of Colossians, and we're going to dig in a little bit, uh, move through this. We're going to spend several weeks together in the book of Colossians, and I'm really, really uh, excited about what the Lord is going to do for us um, as a young church. I don't know if you noticed while you're turning, I'll just kind of remind you, but yesterday uh, was the fifth. We are now five months old as a church. Happy five-month birthday, people of hope. And so um, I'm so grateful for what the Lord has already done, and we're so hope-filled for what the Lord is going to do um, as we continue to follow Him. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Let's stop there for just a couple of minutes and make sure we understand kind of what the book of Colossians is all about, who wrote it, who's he writing to, what's going on. So this is the the church at Colossae. Colossae is a town that at the time of this writing is sort of a town that's kind of dwindled. It used to be a big shot town. It's on the Lycus River in modern day Turkey. It's about 10 miles from a place called Laodicea. And in ancient days, Laodicea blew up. It's sort of like it just became the big town that everybody wanted to move to, and this area of Colossae dwindled. In antiquity, before the time of this riding, Colossae was the place. It was on, a, on this river, and there was a port, and pe- people used to come, and as they would move on their journeys east and west, they would stop at Colossae and resupply. It was a big deal. They loved it. It, was an, it happened in city, but it kind of dried up, and all the attention went to Laodicea a few miles away. The Apostle Paul, from our best understanding of things, is writing this letter to the church in Colossae from Rome. Paul is under house arrest. He's in a place where he was able to have visitors. He was sort of under guard. He wasn't completely free, but it wasn't the harshest of conditions. And evidently, he had writing materials. And he was able to compose these letters. As a spiritual father over many churches, a spiritual leader, he was able to communicate and write and encourage and challenge and correct and teach and give doctrine and all the things that Paul does in his letters. We feel like that this was likely around the year 60, 61, 62 when Paul was writing. So 60, 61 A.D. And so what's interesting is um, we know for, for sure that sometime around 65 A.D. that a massive earthquake struck Colossae and almost wiped it out. And so right before that, This is when the letter came from Paul to this church. Now, Paul had never been to Colossae. Paul had never met the Colossian church people. A guy named Epaphras is the one who started this. And he's sort of a a disciple of Paul's. And he's one who came along with Paul and got to know the story of Jesus, became a believer in Jesus. And then he took this message back to Colossae. Epaphras started the church. Paul says at the beginning here, it says, Paul and Timothy. Timothy's hanging out with him um, in this area of Rome, writing this letter. And they're going to write some things based on what Epaphras, who started this church, he has visited Paul in Rome. And he's told him what's going on. He's told him what the situations are. He's told him what some of the issues and struggles are. And now Paul is writing this letter in response. So that's a little bit of an introduction into the book of Colossians and what's happening here. An important letter, important, beautiful, powerful things in this letter. But Paul also has to give them some challenges. This is a young church. From everything we understand that this church is basically probably only about eight years old. We're only five months old. We have a lot to learn And we need to listen to God's voice in the book of Colossians, not only for our lives as individuals, but for our lives together as a young church. So let's continue on and keep reading. Colossians 1, let's pick up then in verse 3. Paul says in his greeting, this introductory part of the letter, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You know how you start a text message with somebody you hadn't talked to in a while? You don't just start out with your question or whatever. You're like, hey, hope things are going well with you. Hey, hope you're having a good week. If you get a text message from me or an email from me, I'm likely going to sort of like, hi, hope your week's going well. That's sort of a little kind of opener. Hello. Then I'm going to get into the stuff about the email or the text. This is Paul's little opener. We, we've heard about your faith. We've heard about your love and how you've heard the message of truth. You've believed in the gospel. And the gospel that's happening and, and bearing fruit among you in Colossae, that's happening in other places as well. It's bubbling over just as it's doing in your life. And now he says in verse 7 You learned it, the gospel, from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Again, Epaphras is now visiting Paul in prison. He's telling them all about the Colossian church. And those, some of those things have prompted this letter to be taken back to the church in Colossae. Verse 8. For this reason, excuse me, and also told us of your love in the Spirit. Verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you. So now Paul is is getting into the meat of this letter right now. Introductions are done. This is Paul and Timothy. We're in Rome. We're sending it to you. We love you. Hope things are going well. Hope your week's off to a good start. We love you. We heard about you. Good things. You've heard it all from Epaphras. Now here we go. Since we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So that, anytime you see the words so that in the scripture, there's a purpose here. For the purpose of. We want you to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God and all of the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives for the purpose of, look what it says, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. There's a lot of purposes in there. And Paul continues, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In that language there of rescue, you have this beautiful truth of what Jesus has done for us. And he's writing to Christians. He's writing to God's holy people in Colossae. He's writing to to people who already believe and he's calling back thoughts of Moses, who was the deliverer sent to the people of Israel to rescue them out of bondage and take them out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. And Paul calls this back here in saying, this is about you being transferred, being rescued out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. By the way, that's amazing that God has done that for you and me, isn't it? He has rescued us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of evil. And he has pulled us and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Check this out. He has rescued us. That means he went for us. He didn't just sort of punch a button for a long way off. He sent his son Jesus. God sent his son Jesus onto the planet Earth earth. He sent him here, put on skin, on a mission to give his life on the cross, to die for the guilt of your sins and my sins. Jesus came to rescue you and rescue me. He came to get us. You're locked up in the kingdom of darkness. If you're not a believer in Christ Jesus, you may not even know this, but you are still under the grip of sin in your life. And you're maybe thinking, well, I'm not really all that bad of a person. It's not about a sliding scale of badness. If any of us have sinned against God, we are rendered spiritually dead and we we have made ourselves enemies of God. And we are under the grip of sin and we can't break free on our own. But thanks be to God who didn't just say, hey, get yourself out of that. But he came down to rescue us. Is that good news for anybody this morning? He came and got us. We could not free ourselves. So he came and rescued us out of that kingdom. Whenever you hear the word kingdom, you automatically know that it has a a king. And if you were living under the kingdom of darkness, if you were living in the grip of sin, that is a terrible ruler, isn't it? The ruler of the kingdom of darkness will lie to you. It will make false promises. It will get you to waste time and money and resources and affection. It will just set you up like Lucy thinking that she's gonna let Charlie Brown kick that football. The king of the kingdom of darkness is not for you. He is, he is not trying to help you. He is not trying to repair and restore your life. He is out to steal kill and destroy you if he possibly can. And here's the deal. That king may look really powerful. That king may have have just a big roar and a big growl, but the king of the kingdom of darkness is a toothless monster. And he is a created one. And he has no power in the presence of the creator. And your king... Jesus went into the kingdom of the dominion of darkness and he pulled you out by his death and resurrection. Hallelujah. Other translations say you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness of darkness to the kingdom of the son he loves. You've been rescued, delivered. As Moses was sent, Jesus was sent. As Moses displayed the power of God, Jesus displayed the power of God. And Jesus died and rose again so that you might be adopted as his son or daughter so that you might be forgiven of all your sins so that you might be clean of all the shame and so that you might be free from the grip of sin and get out from under that king and get under leadership of the king. Let's hang out right there for a second. He's a good king, amen? He is for you. He is eager to help you be more free than you were yesterday. He is eager to bind up your broken heart. He is eager to clean off any remnant of shame that might be hanging around. He is kind and generous and faithful and powerful and he is good and every decision he makes is right. And every time he moves his hand, it is the right thing to do. And every time he decides to hold back his hand, it is right, because he's the king. He's the king, and he's the good king. He loves you. So let me just frame that for you in this. The message right here in Colossians chapter 1 is What it means to be a Christian is that I've been rescued out of darkness and been pulled and transferred into the kingdom of the king of kings who is all good. That's who you are. And as Paul gets into the meat of this, I want to go back to verse 9. Go back to verse 9 in your text and on the screen or wherever you're following along this morning. Paul says, for this reason, for for the reason that we've we've heard about you and your love for Jesus and love for all people. For this reason, since the day we've heard about you, We have not stopped praying for you. That we're praying there is a a general term. We've not stopped praying for you. We're regularly praying for you. So let me ask you Christians, young church in, in Murfreesboro, who are you praying for? Who are you continually praying for? Who's on your list? Who's on your bathroom mirror? Who's on a little card hanging down from your rear view mirror? Who's on the, the wallpaper of a screen on your phone, on the lock screen? What names are there? What initials are there? What are you doing to remember to continually pray for people? One of our spiritual fathers, Paul, has given us the example of as we hear about people, and God brings them into our lives, let's pray for them. Who are you praying for right now? He goes on to use another word for this. Right in the next part of that, he's, he, he just said, we have not stopped praying for you, this general prayer for you, but we can now, we continually ask God When you do a study of that word, it's a strategic, a specific, hello, Paul's about to get serious. We're about to ask God for something specific. We're not just like general prayers for you, thinking about you. This is a strategic, specific prayer. This is Paul sitting up a little bit closer and looking him in the eyes and saying, here's what's on our heart for you, Colossae. And I... Believe the Holy Spirit wants to say, here's what's on the heart of God for you, people of hope. As individuals and as a new community of faith. Look what he says. This is the specific prayer he prays. We continually ask. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you. The bulk of my time that I want to spend with you in the remainder of this first part of the teaching I want to camp out in these few verses, starting in verse 9. And to help us understand this, we need to think about who the Apostle Paul is as a writer. Don't you love the Apostle Paul? Don't you love the letters of Paul? If you're an English person, a grammar person, uh, if you may think about that Paul uses a lot of, of clauses. In order that, this can happen, and this can happen, and this can happen, so that, for the purpose of, and then this will happen, and then if you're strengthened by that, then this will happen. He gives all of these, you kind of have to make a chart. So guess what we did? We made a chart. I want you to take a look at the chart this morning to help us understand a little bit about this. Over here, we we put a lot of focus on lists because let's be honest, we as Christians, we like lists. Give me something I can do. Give me something I can follow. And there's a nice list in this this passage, isn't there? Live a life worthy of the Lord, please him in every way, bear fruit in every good work, grow in the knowledge of God. Got it. I got my to-do list for life with Jesus. But when you break down this passage, and this is critical to understand, people of hope, those things only happen. It's only a so that if you know God's will, and that only comes because the Spirit gives wisdom and understanding. Look in your text. We continually ask that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, through the wisdom and understanding that comes by the Spirit so that you can do all the list. And as I've been praying about this and praying about you and thinking about our time together in this passage, the Lord has reminded me that there are a lot of us in our new church as a church as a whole and as individuals in our jobs and in our schools and in our marriages and in our relationships in our city. And we are out there busy, busy, busy trying to live a life worthy, please him in every way, bear fruit in every good work and grow in the knowledge of God. And we are not stopping to be filled up by the spirit first. Because God has not called you to try hard. God has called you to keep in step with the Spirit. God has not caused you to be an exhausted, tired, anxiety-riddled worker for the kingdom. He has called you to be filled with the Spirit. I love that Paul says, These are things that the Spirit gives. They're not hidden. They're not secret. You don't have to be a special third degree black belt ninja Christian. These are things the Spirit gives. So look at the chart. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom and understanding so we can know God's will. So that. So everything over there on the left has to happen first so that you can live worthy, please, Him, bear fruit and grow in the knowledge of God. A lot of us, if we're honest, we have not been stopping on a daily basis to be filled with the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We've just rushed out the door to try to live worthy, bear fruit, please Him. Gotta try to please Him. Paul is teaching us that the Spirit gives wisdom and understanding to know God's will so that we can live a life worthy of the Lord, please Him in every way, bear fruit in every good work, and grow in the knowledge of God. I will go as far as to say this, that you will not be able to fully live worthy, fully Please Him in every way. Fully bear fruit to your potential if you are not stopping to be filled with the wisdom and understanding of the Spirit. You can be busy. You can make moral adjustments in your life. You can go out there and try to set spiritual goals and go for it. But we are not a flesh, busy, body, busy, fill up our calendar, busy people. We are a people of faith. We are a supernatural people. What in the world are you talking about, Kyle? (laughs) What I'm saying here is, is that a lot of us are trying to please God in our own strength, in our own understanding, about what we think we're supposed to be doing. And we are not being still to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're not sitting still to be filled with the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives When the Spirit gives wisdom and understanding, we will know God's will so that we can do these things and then strengthen with all power, according to the text, so that we'll have great endurance and patience. You might need patience. I need patience. I'm not a very patient person, naturally. What I'm trying to show you in this chart, what I'm trying to challenge you to, what Paul is calling the Colossians to is understand, don't get up tomorrow and try hard to be patient. Spend time with Jesus. And the Spirit will give you wisdom and understanding so that these other things will flow out of your life. Let's unpack some of those things just for a moment. So, the Spirit gives wisdom and understanding to know God's will. What does is, what is knowing God's will mean? It's not about the specific details for your future. Paul's not referring to what's going to happen in the next six months. I wouldn't mind having some of those details. How about you? And I'd like them yesterday, please. And a copy emailed to me. That's not that. When Paul's talking about this, he's talking about how God wants you to live. Wait a minute, I'd kind of like to know that too. Anybody else? Because I want to please my Father. I want to honor my Savior. I want to show up in heaven someday and he- hear him say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. So I want to know God's will for my life, how, how I'm supposed to live my life. Well, I'm not going to know that unless I'm really Drinking in the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Let's talk about those two things, wisdom and understanding. What are we talking about wisdom here? Wisdom is a couple of things. Number one, it's having the ability to see what is true. Having the ability to see what is true. That's wisdom. Wisdom enables you to see what is true. Wisdom is one of those things you work hard to acquire before you go and purchase a car. I want to know what's true about the value of this car. I want to know what's true about the value of my trade-in. I want to know what's true about the cost of those add-ons they're going to try to sell me in this car. I want to know that what's true about this vehicle versus next year's model vehicle and all those things. So that when I sit down with the car salesman, I'm coming in armed and equipped with wisdom so that when he starts throwing me numbers and he starts saying, what's going to take to get you in a car today and if we give you for this and all those numbers and all that, I, I, ah, wisdom Helps you know what's true so that when you're confronting with confusion and half-truth and flat-out lies, you're equipped and armed. Anybody else need some wisdom for not just dealing with car dealerships, but with life? I need to know what's true. I need to know what's real. I need to be armed and equipped and ready so that I can get into the messiness of life and live in a way that pleases the Lord. Well, that only comes from the Spirit. As we talked about transferring kingdoms a minute ago, it makes me think about this. Here's what's true about evil. It is not stronger than God. Okay, that's true, right? So that becomes wisdom. So as I leave my house in the morning, I'm walking out with that kind of wisdom. My day is different when I believe that evil is not stronger than our God. My day is different when I'm standing in the truth that says the king of the kingdom of darkness is not my king anymore. And he can growl really loud, but he's a toothless monster because my God disarmed him on the cross. You see, wisdom is what we need before we ever leave the house. (laughs) Wisdom is what we need in the morning with the Spirit, in time with God's Word, in time in prayer, in time alone, getting our heart clarified on what is true. Because evil will try to say, You don't need to trust people, everything is just awful. There's no hope. But that's not true, is it? Hello? We have hope in Jesus. As a matter of fact, we're a people of hope. And when you walk in that wisdom, your day is different. And the people you meet, they're different. (laughs) Because somebody talks to you, evil is awful. Yes, it is. But my God is greater. Cancer is evil, yes it is, but Jesus heals cancer without breaking a sweat. When you're armed with the wisdom the Spirit gives before you ever reach for the doorknob at your house, your day is different and the people you meet are different and somebody says, "Man, have you been watching the news? I mean, the news is just depressing. It's just awful. I just hate where our country is. I hate with what's going on in our schools. I hate what's going on in our cities. I hate what's happening with our young people. No, everything's just awful. Hold on, hold on. It may look like evil is winning, but let me tell you what's true. God's on His throne. God has a plan." God's coming back, and evil has no chance that in front of our God. So when you leave the house, having been with the Spirit, that the Spirit will give every morning, the Spirit will give you wisdom and understanding that your day and everybody you meet that day, that their day will be different. There's something else about wisdom. You not only can see what is true, but you can see what is right. Wisdom is the ability to see what's right. I wonder if you were with some family members over the Christmas holiday and you're at the dinner table and people are thinking about th- talking about things, and all kinds of subjects come on, and you know, somebody brings up a certain actor or whatever, and they say, you know, I heard I heard that guy owns 15 Lamborghinis. And something in you just went, That sounds made up. You're Googling over here under the table. There's something in you from time to time where you hear something and you go, I'm not sure I believe that. That's not true. That's not right. The Holy Spirit is really eager every Day to help you to know what's right before you ever leave the house, so that when temptation comes swinging at you, you go, "I'm not buying that. That's not right." Because before I left my house this morning, I got my heart set on what is right, and God's Spirit, God's Spirit gave me wisdom. So that when I was confronted with all of these things that are not right, it was clear. Paul and Timothy are continually asking for these people in Colossae that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, how he wants them to live. Through, and it only comes through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So what's understanding? Understanding, I'll we'll give you three quick things. Understanding, first of all, it's about what really matters in life. Understanding is when, you, when you're clear about what really matters in life. If you will pause... For how long? I'm not telling you how long. Well, should I read this a little bit and have this and have four minutes reading and four minutes listening and three minutes quiet? I'm not telling you. Be with Jesus. And bow your heart down before the king of the king, the kingdom that you're now a part of. And you ask him, fill me by your spirit, fill me with wisdom before I grab that doorknob and fill me with understanding. I want to know what's, what really matters in life. I want to be so clear on that because I'm going to walk out that door and I'm going to be bombarded with all kinds of messages about things that matter that don't really matter. About likes on my Instagram profile. About do I have Apple Watch Series 4 or am I just a Wayback Series 1 guy? Oh my goodness, I need understanding about what really matters because when I leave my house, I don't know about you, but the world tries to get me to care about a lot of things that aren't going to last. Anybody else? Paul prays strategically and continually. Fill them, God. Fill them, God, with wisdom so they can know what's true and what's right, and understanding so they can know what really matters. By your Spirit, do this so that they can live and bear fruit and please you. But somehow we've just gone after the list, and we've skipped the receiving what the Spirit wants to give. Two more quick things about understanding. First of all, it was what really matters in life. Second of all, who you are in Christ. Oh man, all of us, before we leave the house in the morning, before we get to school, before we get to work, before we go anywhere or do anything, we need to have crystal clear understanding from the spirit of who we really are in Christ. Because let me tell you what's true about you. God gave his son to buy you out of hell. To set you free from the grip of sin, to wipe all the shame off of your life, and to make you clean as a son or a daughter of His. That's who you are. Yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm so inconsistent as a Christian. I mean, I have good days and I have bad days. Welcome to life as a human. But when God looks at you, he does not see a screw-up. When God looks at you, he does not see a promise-breaker. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees you clean. You're the only one bringing up your past. And if you don't sit with the Spirit before you reach for the doorknob, You're going to leave the house and live the day in a false identity. I'm just worthless. I don't deserve. I shouldn't. I can't. No. Hello? I'm a child of the one true king. I so crave this for you young people. That you would not look to Instagram to tell you you matter. That you would not look to even a parent to tell you that you matter. I so crave this for you. That you would walk out of your house full of knowledge of the love of God. That you are fully accepted just as you are. Awkwardness and all. That you would be at peace with how God made you. The Spirit will give you understanding to understand what really matters. To understand who you are. Thirdly, the Spirit will give you understanding to see God's big picture purposes. Understanding also includes seeing God's big picture purposes. So, for the church, we need to understand our big picture purposes are not to draw a crowd. Hello? Our big picture purposes are not to meet budget, that'll pull us off mission. Our big picture purposes are not to surround ourselves with people we enjoy being around, people who are just like us and think like us. Our big picture purposes as a church, as a five-month-old people of hope, our big picture purposes in the kingdom of God are to be a movement of light and salt and hope in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And there's a lot of people who don't know that they can be rescued from the kingdom of dark. And there's a lot of people who don't know that they are fully loved by God. And there's a lot of people who don't know that he loved them so much that even though they've rebelled against him, he sent his only son to die in their place. And there's a lot of people out there who are beaten down by evil and they need light, they need hope, they need to bump into a Jesus person who met with the Spirit in the morning and got filled up with understanding. That's our purpose as a church. And so will your purpose. God's big picture purpose for your life is not to be a worker. It's to be a beloved son or daughter. That's your primary purpose. You want to glorify God? Enjoy God. Rest in God. Be happy in Jesus. I don't know if I'm doing enough. What are you trying to earn? I don't don't know if 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 I'm keeping up with what I'm all supposed to do. There are no merit badges. It's already been paid for. None of us deserved it. It's been given to us for free. You're already in. Stop working for what's already yours. Stop working for what's already yours. I needed to make this chart because when you read Paul and all these clauses, (laughs) you can get lost in the so that's and then this and those things. I needed you to see the sequence. We continually ask that the Father would fill you with a knowledge of God's will or how how he wants you to live through and only through, it only comes through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Some translations say through spiritual wisdom and understanding. When you break that out, it means means the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Only through that then can you go after bearing fruit. And let me tell you something. If you will become a Spirit-dwelling Time in the morning, Jesus person, before you reach the doorknob person, if you will become that, then the things on the right side will not ever enter your mind as effort. They will simply be the overflow of you living by the Spirit of God. Pleasing God is not work. So one of the first things you need to do tomorrow is not go out and do something for Jesus. One of the first things you need to do is sit with Jesus and let him give you something. Wisdom and understanding. And then those things will come out of your life. Let me close with just a couple of quick pictures about this. I wonder if we have any video gamers in the room. I like video games. I'm slightly older, so I can't keep up with my kids. But we play along every once in a while, and I enjoy it. I, my wife says it's good stress relief for me. I like to go and blow things up from time to time on the screen. I like World War II games and other first-person shooter kind of games and Call of Duty and all that kind of stuff. I love of all that. It, 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 so I, I'm going to try to put this into to, to language for you who are a gamer. Gamer. Sitting with the Spirit in the morning to receive the wisdom and understanding before you reach for the doorknob is like you creating a class in the video game. If you're a gamer, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a gamer, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay, I'm coming for you next. Just wait, just wait. Creating a class in the video game is you're like, oh, I'm going to be in this kind of a map. And in this kind of a map, it has long alleyways for sniping. It has, you know, this kind of a place. I need a, I need a close quarter battle weapon. I need some sort of this. I need, I need that. I'm going to think about this. I want this perk. I want that attachment. Oh, I don't want that. I, need, I, want, I, want, I want to go fast. I want a quick reload. I want all these things on here. I'm going to create a class because I know the map I'm going into. So I'm gonna create a class and make sure I've got exactly what I need before I go into the lobby to play that game. Gamers, you with me? Because I know what that map is like. I need to create a class that's gonna help me win. So you sit with the spirit to receive what you need to be armed and equipped to enter your day and please the Lord. All right, so maybe you're not a gamer. Last picture. If I come to you and I say, um, I'd like some help with a project. And you're like, yeah, I'm all in. We're a hope builder at People of Hope Church. We're we're in. Um, What do you need? And and I say, um, I would absolutely be grateful if you could um, prepare and plan a, a meal for a couple of families who are from out of town. Got it. Done. Settle. I'm on it. Happy to serve. I'm gone. Let's go. Meal. Families from out of town. I'm on it. And what if I said, okay, hold on before you go? Uh, I want you to understand something. First of all, it's not all adults. Okay, there's some kids. Like how young? Like two year olds. Oh, Oh, okay. All right. I'm thinking a little bit differently about this now. Got it. I'm, done. I'm gone. I'm gone. Let's go. Hold on. Hold on. Before you go, there's going to be 15 total. Uh oh. Okay. All right. Got it. I'm gone. Happy to serve. And I say, hold on. Hold on. One of the people there has a peanut allergy. Oh, I'm so glad you told me that. Because my grandmother makes these peanut butter balls and I was going to make them for everybody. Give them a little gift bag. So glad you told me that. Because I was just going to haul off and let's go get the meal for the families. But I got it now. (laughs) Let's go. Hold on. One of the things I need you to understand is all of the families at this meal all of them, lost their homes in the recent California wildfires. And through a set of circumstances, they've been kind of relocated temporarily to Middle Tennessee. Whoa. What a privilege to get to serve some hurting people. I just think about it. They they may have lost their family photos, childhood toys, heirlooms from a great grandmother. I'm so glad you told me that all important truth (laughs) about these families. Okay. All right. I really want to. Okay. I want to bless I want to spoil them. Do you see where we've gone? From I just need you to make a meal for a few. Okay, I got it, I'm gone. So now we understand it's different ages. There's 15 of them. We understand now one's got a peanut allergy and we understand all of these people have been beaten up by a natural disaster. Got it now, let's go. Hold on. Your budget for this meal is $10,000. Okay, I was just going to go to Bojangles. (laughs) You'd probably see Gracie Duke there. (laughs) I'd ask her what I should order for 15 people, somebody with a peanut allergy, and some of them are kids. $10,000? That's my resources for this? For these people who've lost everything? I get to do this? Oh, my goodness. We're going to... oh. Oh I, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do this, and I want to help with this, and I, want, I do want to scrimp a little bit on the food, and I want to buy them some new photo albums. I want to get them all uh, some gift cards to this photo thing, and I want to help them rebuild. I want, ah, Do you see what's happening? And you say, I've got it. i got it. <laughs> I got it. And I say back to you, now, now that you know, there's 15 of them, one of them's got a peanut allergy and all of them have been devastated. Some of them are kids. And you have $10,000 to spend on this meal. Now go and put it together. You see, getting the briefing Getting equipped with what's really true is vision and context for your day. Before I reach for the doorknob, I sit with Jesus and I go, all right, now what's really true about you, about life, about evil? What's really right? okay, now who am I? I need to understand who I am and what my purpose is and what the church is for and what life is for and what I'm supposed to be in the world and what you're doing and all of those kind of things. What Jesus has done for me and who I am and that you're bigger and that I've been transferred and I'm not in that grip anymore and I'm not the sole collection of all of my failures and embarrassing moments. That's who I am. Now I'm starting my day and I have the resources of the kingdom of heaven at my disposal, come on. As one of the spiritual leaders in your life, one of the many, I plead with you to wake up tomorrow and receive what the Spirit wants to give before you just rush out And try to do Monday. Because his wisdom. And his understanding. Can make it an entirely different day. Let's pray.